0: Now, let's, let's start off reading from 1 Peter. He's going to jump straight into it. I've got a, yeah, uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 13 to 17. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. And I want to speak this morning on holiness. This concept of being holy, what does holiness mean? You know, it, it, it feels a bit like the one thing we don't want to touch is the church at times. Now, churches all around the world, holiness is like back at the, at the queue of preachers and everything is just you know bless you you know your best life now and you know god your healing is god's priority and that, that's all that's all that's gets gets preached and there is a, a place for god's blessing but holiness is a deep call that god is calling us to to be holy because he is holy I and mean, we need to be serious about holiness and i've i've got like a lot of scriptures here right like a lot i know i'm mean, generally the god has got you know when the av people hear paul's preaching they start warming up, because there they go. it's going to be a lot of scriptures, but the point is to show you through the Bible that this is something God wants, this is not just, because I can say, I can quote one scripture about blessing and then preach for an hour without using another scripture, and you'll be, amen, but I touch holiness, and I need to back it up with a hundred scriptures, because that is the state that the world is in, holiness feels foreign to us, so first, what is Holiness? Who, who of you, and you can show your hands, um, there is a wrong and a correct answer. If you, it's not a rhetorical. Um, who of you think that holiness means to be without sin? Anyone? Anyone? Like a walk up? Come, come, walk, come on. Okay. Who of you think holiness does not mean to be without sin? Well, Now this, that's weird. You know. <laughs> the rest of you are not sure. That's why you're this morning to hear. I uh, get you. So holiness. If holiness just means to be without sin then this macbook is more holy than most cuz this thing does not have sin not because it's a macbook you know, but it's because it, it it this macbook has not sinned holiness not sinning is a part of it but we think we we quickly think holiness means i just i should just not sin as long as i, I can do what i you know i can because if we have that thinking, I need to go sit in a room and just not sin. Just lock myself up there and not sin. You guys ready for this? The Greek word for holiness. It's huggies, not the Pampers or the agis <laughs> It means to be set apart, to be sacred. To be consecrated, something that's pure, and to sum it up in our modern language, is just something that's different. It is different. It is not the same. Now, so when the Bible says God is holy, I mean, there's, what it means, he's not the same. Like you, there's nothing that you can compare him to. He's outside of our reference of something. To, I mean, I can compare you guys with one another. You know, for instance, I can compare myself with Enrique. You know, we we we're quite similar in in stature, for instance. <laughs> you know, the biceps, yes, yes, the, the, the biceps. You know, but, you know, we can compare one another, but we like with God to who And I love that song to Who can I compare you, Holy One? Now, who is your equal? There is none. It's like, man, to who can we compare God? There's no one because He's holy. He's he's so, he's sacred, he's pure, there's nothing, he's different. Now, and we see this picture in the Old Testament, I'm going to make it relevant to us now, that um, God had the tabernacle, and I'm not going to go too much into the tabernacle, but essentially it was an an outer court, then a holy place, and then inside that there was a holy, or holy of holies, or most holy, however you want to. So, and in this holy of holies, Right, the, that was the the Ark of the Covenant was there, and the presence of God dwelt in there. And the concept of this place, uh, you've got the holy place, but then you've got the holy of holies, like the holy, like the super holy place, because that's where God's presence was. the The thing itself didn't mean much, but it was because God's presence was there. And interesting, you know, there was a lot of rules for for. Well, once a year, what would happen is the uh, the chief priest would go in, and he would offer sacrifice there, and he would you know essentially. Ask, you know, do a sacrifice so God would come and forgive Israel. But for him to go in there, there was a lot of specific rules. I mean, he couldn't touch certain things. He needed to himself be holy. before, be, Because if he went in there with any, like, uncleanness, not physical necessarily, well, even physical, right? I mean, if, he, if there was a stain even on his pants, he couldn't go in. If he touched if he touched a dead animal, he, you know, he couldn't go in. And there was... Rules, okay, now you need to go and wash your hands like this. And there was purification things that they could use. But they needed to be pure. They needed to be holy before they can go in. To such an extent that if he went in with any blemish or anything that's not pure, he would die. They would literally take a rope, put it in a (laughs) mocket fuss, tie it around his ankle. Your mafricorns just switch over there. They would take a rope and tie it around his ankle. Because if he dies on the inside, they can't go in and get him. They need to pull him out. They, 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 it said that he had a, like a little jingle bell on his ankle. So if they, if they heard it stopped jingling, you know, he probably died. <laughs> and it pull him out. Now, I'm, this is serious. This is God's holiness. It's like, yo, it's quite intense. No, and they couldn't... They couldn't um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they couldn't do. And the concept we see in the Old Testament is that something that is unclean would transfer to something that is clean. So, for instance, if the priest was clean and holy now, and now he accidentally touches something, he touches a dead animal, then he now becomes unclean. To use an example, you know when you're making food and you drop something on the floor? Huh? Even if it just touches it, even if you just washed the floor, who of you would take it up and just eat it? It's a bit like <laughs> okay, well, let's give me just I'm gonna preach to you guys now. <laughs> five second rule, yeah. yeah the Germans are standing there waiting. Okay, five seconds <laughs> we think like it. But so generally we would go like I don't wanna touch that now. Oh we'll touch but I don't wanna eat it. Oh worse, you're driving or you're walking across the street and your burger falls on the on the sidewalk on the tar. And next to it is like an old cigarette and like oil leaks. And you're going like, <laughs> you, don't know, you don't even want to pick it up to throw it away now. It's a bit like you're considering leaving it there. But you, you can't because you're a Christian. So you pick it up and you throw it away. <laughs> yeah. And th- th- that's the concept of when we touch unclean things. You know. But in Isaiah, we, see, uh, we, we start to see a transformation of this. In Isaiah six, verse one to eight, Isaiah sees this vision, um, let me read it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and a train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings covered their faces, with two wings it covered their feet, and with the other two wings they flew. They were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At this sound, now this is Isaiah seeing this, he, he's, he's, he gets taken up into heaven and he sees, you know, the seraphim just seeing holy, holy, holy. And you know, they're covering their eyes and they're covering their feet. And he says, at this sound, uh, at the sound of their voice, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was full of smoke. Verse five says, "Woe to me!" I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I have um, I live amongst people with unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He, he almost realizes he's like that priest that just went into the holy of holies, and he's unclean. And he goes like, oh. it's like, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure it was that feeling. You know, you guys are obviously Christians, so maybe not. But uh, whenever you get pulled. Over by a speed cop or something, and you're like, oh and like you knew you you uh, it's like this I'm gonna get a ticket now. And Isaiah's like, oh and I, I'm I'm unclean. He realizes his sin. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a life coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard a voice. Uh, The voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord, send me. So now all of a sudden there's this picture of holiness being the thing that gets transferred. So instead of now something unclean making me unclean, it's like holiness comes and makes me holy. And it's interesting, just a note on this. Isaiah was made holy first. He was touched by the Lord first, and then only he said, here I am, Lord. Send me. If you want to be used by God, you need to get to that place, Lord, touch me. And then I'll respond and say, use me. Sometimes we're going to do it around the right. Use me, Lord, so I can become clean. No, no. Get before the Lord. Now in the New Testament, we see Jesus as a fulfillment. Look, this picture essentially is a picture of Jesus, the one that would come and cleanse, the one that would atone for sin, the one that would clean us. In the New Testament, that is why they kind of like hated Jesus. They were frustrated with Him because He went around touching dead people. He shouldn't have done that. He touched le- the lepers. He touched the unclean things and made it clean. He healed the sick by touching them. And they were just like, this doesn't fit in their boxes. And Jesus says, no, I'm here to change this. I'm here to make clean. I'm here to make holy. And they're like wrecked because now all of a sudden, God is turning things upside down. Now isn't that what the religious spirit does? No, Lord, this is how it always works. You can't touch this. The Lord says, No. This is my place. This is my kingdom. I'll do what I want. Thanks, Fronja. you know so even we need it needs to be said for us to be holy, God needs to touch us. God is the only one that can do it. God is the only one that can atone for our sins. He's the only one that can cleanse us. And I'll touch on it later. But there's also the aspect full of the Bible, we're going to read a billion scriptures now, that where God says, be holy, where it's a thing that you need to do. And that only happens after God has touched you. But then he says, now walk out your holiness. Go and continue being holy. Continue living in that. Holiness does not happen by osmosis. Are you joining the church will not ma- magically make you holy. You know, you know, when I say holy, I mean set apart, pure, different. Now, and one of the big reasons that all of Israel had a bunch of rules and stuff is God wanted them to be different than those around them. He wanted them to be separate, to be consecrated, to, be, to look different in the world. Because that was his vehicle. Now, us as a church, we need to be different. You as a Christian, you need to be different. You need to look different in the world. Yes, without sin, but also just, man, we need to look different. So, like, okay, I want to read a couple of scriptures. God calling us to be holy. In Hebrews 12, verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Can you say that? Can you say you have made every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy? Is there anyone that can say that? I can't. Every effort. What does every effort mean? It's <laughs> okay. That's quite an intense statement. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Romans six, verse nineteen. I am using an example for every um, from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness, now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. The reality is, you are a slave to something. Now we can sing, "I'm no longer a slave to fear." Look, you're, you're either a slave of God or you're a slave of sin. You're either a slave to righteousness or you're a slave to sin. And I don't mean slavery in in the bad sense of the word. I mean slavery as in I, I either follow this or I follow that. And and Paul's urging us is to man rather be a slave to righteousness. Because there's this feeling, of, when, you, when you pursue holiness and righteousness, it gives you this feeling of, there's things I shouldn't and can't do. Yes, we are free, but, and, and he says this, I'm using this as an example because of our human limitations. So it's not exactly, like, precisely how it works, but there's a sense of, man, slavery feels a bit like, oh, there's like a, things I can't do. And he says, man, be a slave to righteousness. Because if you're not, if you think, but I'm free and I can do what I want, you're actually just a slave to sin. You're still a slave. Just because you feel more free means nothing. And that leads to holiness. Ephesians 4, verse 22, not 12. It's a bit on. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self. What does put off mean? Peter, can I use you as an example? Please, you can come send you. We didn't rehearse this. We should have rehearsed this beforehand. So, so, would you put off your jacket? Yeah, man's not hot, yeah. Okay. So, he, you see what he just, he put off his jacket. Okay. Uh, you can just stand here with me. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So, let's say now he takes off his old self, and he gives it to God, and God... Throws it away? I won't throw it away. <laughs> That's a gold one. No, no. <laughs> and then God comes and He puts, He gives him a new self, a new Peter. He says, "Put this on." Yes. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully, we do it a bit quicker. No, Thanks. You can go sit. But did you see that? He, there's a putting off of something and a putting on on something. This sounds so basic, doesn't it? This sounds like Paul. You can teach this to great twos. But when if I if I sit in front of you, like, have you put on the new self? Like, what do you mean? You know. It's it's like we've got this idea of holiness by osmosis. We do. But God says, no, be holy. Take off the old self, put on the new self. So, what does this mean for us? So, firstly, three things. This is the obvious one is we need to fight sin. The first aspect of holiness I want to touch on is that. It's obvious that if we want to be holy, we need to fight sin. We need to get rid of sin. Because sin is the thing that, that um, defiles us. It's the thing that uh, makes us dirty. Now, yes, God pays for it. And God is the one that atones for it. And we can't pay for ourselves. But he calls us to, to wash ourselves of that. He calls us to get before him and say, Lord, come and wash me. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 to 8. It is God's will... Who has ever wondered what God will, God's will is for their life? Oh are you preaching it out day? Huh? What's God's will for your life? It's God's will that you should be sanctified. That word sanctified is um, also the word holy. It gets translated sanctified, holy, set apart, sacred. So, you know, he's saying it's God's will that you be holy. That you av- should avoid sexual immorality that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God and that is the matter that, um, and that is in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister the lord will punish all those who commit such sins, sins as we told you and warned you before for god did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life therefore anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. That's that's quite a mouthful. I'm literally just going through Scripture after Scripture here. He's saying, whoever rejects this teaching of holiness, whoever says, nah, man, you don't need to be holy, you're rejecting God. Because he says, no, man, I've not called you to be impure. So we need to fight sin. And I was listening listening to a guy who was... There was a Christian brother who spoke to a guy. He was discipling, and he said, "The, um, the young man came to him and i 'I'm really struggling with pornography. I just can't get through it. I just can't win it.' And he asked him, okay, well, well, what have you done about it?' No, no, I try, and maybe I need maybe I need deliverance. And ma- look, maybe you do need, but it's like I, I just can't, vi- you know, get victory over it." And he said, "Okay, well, have you tried like um, selling your phone and your laptop to not have access to it?" He said, "Well, no, you know, the thing is, I need it, you know." The thing is, I can't do that. And the guy looked at him and said, "The problem is not you can't get rid of sin. The problem is you don't want to get rid of sin." I, I listened. And I was like, "Yo, oh, that is profound. That is actually..." And you know, everything in you should go like. But you start to think of excuses, and but you know, but I, I work. I work remotely. I need my. Well, you don't need to necessarily sell your phone. You know, there's an app. Where you pay like 180 Rand, and then it tracks everything on your phone? Accountable to use the software, if you want to know. I'm not marketing for them, but yeah. and This thing would help you be accountable. This thing would help you get victory over it. Now you're sitting like, oh, 180 Rand, it's like, it's a bit much. I don't know if I can squeeze it in my budget. You're thinking, you want to get rid of sin, but you don't want to pay 180 Rand for a software that's going to help you. You're telling me you really want to get rid of sin? Because all I'm hearing is you're saying the right things, but the heart's not wanting to be in the spirit. Now, this sounds harsh, but we need more of this teaching in church. No, I mean, we're in the end times church, people. The 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 Bible is pretty clear that as we get closer to the end, more and more people just do what they want. Now, like we're look, I we I love every of you, every one of you. Those that I haven't met, look, I want to meet you, we want to love you. But at the end of the day. We're here to help you follow God. We're not here to help you or ask you to help our brand look better. Look, we want every one of you to be here. We want every one of you to walk in what God asks you. But that means we need to speak about the difficult things. That means we need to chat about the things that's close to home. And isn't that what Jesus does? He comes and he confronts. You look in, in the uh, book of Revelation, the seven churches he wrote to. <laughs> He's like, if you don't repent... I'm gonna take out your lampstand. He doesn't go, well, as long as you come to church. He's like, no, no, I'm serious about this. God is serious about his church, people. Now, I'm not saying this as come to me, I'm the expert. I'm also wrestling with these things. I'm with you in this. I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you. But are we serious about sin? Or are we looking for excuses? Because we've got this, and I've said it a couple of times, we've got this conviction addiction. Now, Someone preaches, it's like, hallelujah, yes, I need to repent, I'm sorry. And you come to the altar, and you're like, Lord, forgive me. And then tomorrow you just keep doing it. So we're we're addicted to that feeling of conviction. Because the reality of conviction is, it comes with grace. When God convicts us, he says, come, you can do this. It's like, being in a group of people always speaking about your problems because you know everyone's going to give you the attention. You almost come to God like that. Lord, I've got so much sin. Oh, would you forgive me? But you're like, you just want him to come and tell you that he loves you. But there's a point where he goes, you need to stop this now. That is often quite far. He's not harsh. But there is a point where he says, you need to stop this now. Like a father with disciplined children. He says, okay, now you need to stop. Now, God is not a, f- God, is not a God that says, I should have are no doing. And then you do it again, and I said, like, not know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah? Is this the last time I'm going to speak? And then the child does it again. Okay, well, now this is the last time. I'm gonna... <laughs> we, we grow up with that, thinking like God is this like, he's, he's saying don't do it, but what he really goes like, yes, I'm not going to follow through. On the one hand, I don't want to stir up fear at all. I want to stir up a Lord. I want to be serious about this. Because the reality is, there is grace, man. That is the point of Jesus dying on the cross. If he wanted us to do it on our own, he would have left us to do it on our own. He says, no, I'm coming with you. The Hebrew says, we've got a great high priest who is able to have sympathy and empathy with us. He's been tested in every way. He comes alongside you and says, I know. I know the struggle. I know what you're going through. I know the wrestle. But you can do it. You can win this thing. Come on. He sits and he's like, I know. He doesn't sit and ah oh, try harder, but then he says he, sits next to him, he says next he say I no, let's go for it, let's try again. You can win this thing. We need to get rid of sin. We need to get rid of things that contaminate. Because there's things that are sin and then there's things that just contaminate. Like and I'll give the examples now. Second Corinthians seven verse one. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. The things we listen to. What are the things that contaminate us? The music we listen to? Now, we all would say, yes, Jack Sparrow is wrong. Well, we wouldn't listen to his music. Okay? But what about the things that's a bit like, eh, do we entertain us? Do we, do we go as close to the line as possible? Or we say, that's going to contaminate me. Now, hear me out. You can ask my wife. I often, often sometimes, well, not often, but sometimes I'm, yes, I'm listening to a song and I'm like, yeah, I'm enjoying the song because I, I like beats. I like music. You can ask my family when, in, well, my first car I had, I had a 12-inch subwoofer in the boot. Literally took half of my boot. Right? Oh, ask Enrico, Peter, they were in team you would hear me coming to the team Campus from the other side of town. You know. I, I like beats, and I <laughs> so I like music. And oftentimes I look at Christian music. I'm like, <laughs> it's terrible. Some of it, though. But now I'm starting to. What am I listening to? Just because they're not, just because they're not swearing in a song, doesn't make it m- mean it's great. I want to encourage you, think about the lyrics that you're singing or listening to. Think about it. If the song says, girls just want to have fun. (laughs) And I'm not speaking about the older one. I'm speaking about newer song. What are you singing? How How is that godly? Think about this. We just listen to it and not make anything about it. I'm touching some holy cows. I can see. <laughs> Shot a holy cow just now. And look, again, I'm saying, I'm with you in this. I'll also get to this crossroads and I'm like, oh, I really like this song. I really like this artist. But this is not helpful. This is not, this is not great for me. The Lord is saying, where are those that are in the spirit? Where are those that's are serious about following him? The movies we watch. Oh, I'm, I'm going deeper, guys. Sorry. Just bear with me. The series we watch. A Christian shouldn't watch Game of Thrones. I said it. <laughs> I was wondering if I'm going to say it. There's things Christians shouldn't watch, man. Horror movies. Are you kidding me? That's demonic. Who dreamt up that movie? He didn't look at God dream, dreaming up that movie. <laughs> like I'm touching on things that's touchy because we need to touch on it. If we want, to, it's great that we say purify my heart, and then we go and watch horror movies. And I think the Lord's sitting there like. <laughs> it's like someone asks you, then I, I, you can also, I've done that. Yeah. Hey, do you have feedback on my preaching? Gives feedback. <gasps> can't believe you gave me feedback. (laughs) (laughs) You asked me. That's the thing. We ask God, Lord, make me holy. Lord, I want to look like you. He says, okay, stop watching this. Lord, like, you're not that holy. (laughs) Can I have that? Quentin said I don't need to have a mega church to be a mega church pastor. So I've got my mega church illustrations. <laughs> so yeah, let me take it out. There is a burger in here. So have Thank you. I bought it this morning. Still fresh. Yeah, <laughs> well, as fresh as it can get, you know, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I could have bought it last week, it would still be fresh. <laughs> So here's a McDonald's burger, right? And I want to use this as an illustration. Who of you guys are athletes, semi athletes? Like you like jogging, you like doing. come on, hands high up? No, don't be shy. Come, yeah, yeah. No, I'm the boobiest job. Yeah, there's some of you. Yeah, I'm you know? So, So, you know, anyone that's ever d- done a race, like a, maybe a, a marathon, half marathon, 10 kilometers, Park run, Iron Man. Before a race, for those of you are athletes, would you want this, or maybe more of this? But would you want McDonald's to be the meal you eat before you go on a race? Do you want this to be the nutrition to last you the race? Anyone that wants that? No. <laughs> no, you just want the burger. <laughs> yeah, I see. And I've actually done that. I remember before a, a cycle race years ago that I did, the night before, the morning we were going to go for the race, the night before I ate McDonald's as my meal, you know? and in the morning you don't really eat, maybe you eat like a cookie or something, but you're going on the energy you got last night, and I ate McDonald's, that was probably one of the worst races I've ever done, and it wasn't that I was that unfit, you know? I had no nutrition, I was smashed, I was full, but there was nothing in me. I was trying to do the climb, I just couldn't. I, like, there's no, I, I've, I've, I, don't know, I don't have reserves. Like, this, this didn't, it made me full, but it didn't give me any, any energy, right? And I ask Christians, why do we make ourselves full of this? And come Tuesday, I'm burning out. Look, burnout's serious, but it's probably because you're making yourself full of this. You know, two, two kilometers in my race, I was like, oh, I hate cycling. Like, this sucks. That's probably the reason we feel like that as Christians. It's because we take this in. Now, look, I'll touch on it now. What, what I eat does not defile me between God. Okay? I'm using this as an example. I'm not saying against something against McDonald's. We went to McDonald's this week, me and Quentin, and afterwards I was again resolved to not eat McDonald's. Because <laughs> you feel terrible after McDonald's, eh? it, it, it it's it's promising. It's it's it sounds nice. It looks great, and it tastes. Great. It does taste nice for me at least. <laughs> but afterwards, it's like ugh. You feel ugh. Is it just me that feels ugh after McDonald's? Yeah. Is it just or is it just <laughs> me? <laughs> oh yeah, it was a, I mean as in okay? <laughs> <laughs> and can I say this? When we when we think about movies, when we think about music, when we think about those things, even the preachers that we listen to on YouTube. No one has ever, no one has ever gone like, or no one has looked at a McDonald's burger and gone like, okay, now I choose not to eat the McDonald's burger, now I'm unhealthy. You will not get unhealthy by not eating the McDonald's burger. Does that make sense? Or you will not get unhealthy if you don't eat the McDonald's burger. Does that make sense? So, sure, you still need to eat healthy other stuff, but skipping on the McDonald's burger is not gonna make you unhealthy. That's like obvious. So skipping on those dodgy movies is not going to make you spiritually unhealthy. You're not going to miss out anything spiritually. Skipping those dodgy songs is not going to let you miss out. Like no one that's truly healthy, no professional athlete eats this. And if they do, it's maybe once as a cheat meal. But even that, they probably wouldn't do. If you're just thinking of the prof- professional athletes, look at, they're pretty serious about what they eat. I was listening to the soccer player, professional soccer player, and asked him, you know, it's like, on your off day, you know, what do you, what's like your favorite meal? And he's like, yo, he really likes a, sh- uh, a kebab, like a susati. That's like, that's like his thing. But he can't because it's unhealthy. I'm like, a susati? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, my level is Yeah. <laughs> He's looking at his society going like, I, I can't, that's going I'm to, a, I'm a pro soccer player, I can't do that. I'm thinking like, yo, this guy is serious about what he eats. He's <laughs> like, and yo, if, he, if he's really feeling risky, he'll take half a glass of wine. And that, but then he knows he's going to have to train extra that week. I'm thinking like, is that how intense these guys eat as prof- professional athletes? This was Erling Haaland, for those of you who don't know. He's like one of the best. That guy scores, he broke records last year at the season. I mean, and he goes like, yo. I mean, we would think that's healthy. Now, it is healthy. I mean, he's like a pro, pro athlete, you know. And for us as Christians, if you want to be used by God, you're gonna to have to look at those series and music and go like, oh, I shouldn't. I'm God's. I'm different, consecrated, set apart. I want to be used by God. James one verse twenty seven. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. If you want to be religious, care for orphans and widows and keep yourself from being polluted from the world. And I don't want to go down what that orphans and widows means. But now look, Christian... I think Christians should have fun. This sounds a bit like I'm saying, oh, we can't have fun. No, man. Christians should have fun. Amen? Yeah. Uh, amen. You on this side as well? Yeah. Okay. No, Christians should have fun. But we need to look different than the world. Now, what we've done as Christians is okay, okay, so we shouldn't look like the world. So I'm not going to go, you I know, mean, I'm not going to go out Friday and go partying. Okay. I'm not going to go to, I don't know the places anymore. I'm not going to go to alone. Because I'm a, I'm a Christian, right? Okay. But now, now what we do is we bring twiddle on to us. We just listen to twiddle on music. Still. I, I'm, I'm like, you're not, you're still being polluted just on a different area. <laughs> I really am. I hope I'm touching on like some. No, I, I don't know. I think it was Spurgeon or someone that said, Man's heart is an idol factory, isn't it? And I'm sure as I'm going, you know, the idols are being touched. That's great, because God wants to sit on that throne, not those idols. And I'm sharing this out of going like, ask my wife many times, I'm like, oh, there's an idol. we got to take it off the throne, because it just keeps popping up. I'm not saying I've never struggled with this thing. these wrestles are things I'm also going through, but we need to be serious about it. You know, in the just interesting, you know, for those of you who want to be leaders, just, right, interesting that if you look at the book of Judges, there were good judges and bad judges, but all those that are good, they had one thing in common, they always tore down the idols in Israel. So there would be a bad king or bad judge, and he would kind of allow Israel to just do what they want, and they build their own little statues, and they build idols, and they build their own things, and in this, the, that guy would, would maybe die. And then the new judge would come in. And if it was a good one, he would go in, looks at it, and he says, guys, we will not do that anymore. And he goes to the people and he pulls down those idols. Imagine someone comes to your home and he just starts breaking down things. Because God doesn't want it to be like this. And you're like, but that guy, he does not have fear. And we need to be those that pull down idols in others' lives. But it starts obviously with yourself. Make sure you pull down the idols in your own life. Now, um, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And there's some of you here this morning that feels like, Paul, this feels like death. And as you're preaching, this feels like, ugh. Feels like everything in me wants to, ugh. This, I don't like what I'm hearing. But some of you, as I'm preaching, like, amen. This is what God wants. And again, the Lord's asking, where are those that are in the Spirit? Those that are saying yes, this is what the Lord wants. Those that are in the spirit say yes. And for those of you, who, if this feels like death, that is because it is. You need to die to self to be in the spirit. You need to take. You need to take yourself. And say, Lord, I yield it. Jesus says, unless you pick up your cross and follow me, not you might not, you cannot be my disciple. He, he, like. He's inviting us. He's calling us to die with Him. Not a physical death. Like spirit, like to go like, Lord, not my will, yours. And I've said this many times. Picking up your cross. You know, what is the cross? The cross is anywhere where your will and God's will crosses. It's not, I don't think that's what he meant, but that's a good way to think of it. It's like whenever you're thinking like, I want to watch the series. I want to watch this movie. But you feel the Lord saying, mm, opportunity to pick up your cross. Say, okay, Lord. Now, the problem is we can easily think of what I shouldn't do, but what about what I should do? Because just avoiding something is not going to make it go away. Like, it's going to, you got to fill that space with something else. You shouldn't look where you, you shouldn't just look where you shouldn't go, you should look where you should go. There's a thing in cycling, if you go into a berm, it's like those little curvy things that you turn in. I remember doing when I started cycling. I d- went into those berms, and I would always go whoop over. And I feel like a loser. <laughs> I was like checking at these like guys that are quick, and they would like whoop, just go through that thing. I'm like, I don't know how you guys do that. And I remember Jenny did one go. How do you go through that thing so quick? Like, what, aren't you afraid to fall? I think it's the same in, in um, bikes as well, isn't it? Hey, you got it. You shouldn't look where you're going. You should look where you want to go. So they say, look at the exit of the berm, and your bike will follow. It is. If you drive t- in your car and then you're speaking to someone or something, and you're like, "Oh," because then you've started drifting. Because the whole you, the whole car, everything would go to the direction you've, you're thinking of looking at. So instead of going like, "I shouldn't watch these movies," I shouldn't watch th- listen to this music. Listen to worship music. Pray. When you're feeling like, "Oh, I wanna," like, "I wanna just like put on a movie." Pray. Put on a worship pad and pray. Now you go on YouTube and say soaking music, worship soaking music. Like one of these hour long, there's no words, it's just a pad playing, and then pray, pray. That is what God is calling us to. Second Timothy 2, verse 20 to 21. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver, silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use, and some for dishonorable use. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument Set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. If you want to be used by God, you set yourself apart. Who wants to be useful to the master? I'm going to wait till everyone's out. <laughs> no, no, no you know. I often sit there and I'm like, oh yeah, also speaking, man. We want to be useful to the master? And he's saying, rid yourself of these things. Now, I want to just caution us from a religious spirit here. It's easy that we can now start to, okay, every time I'm going to have quiet time or every time I'm going to pray, every time I'm going to listen to worship music, I I start to use that as something to get what I want. I start to use that as a means to get my calling. But God says, no, come and just be with me. Why do we pray? Why do we have quiet times? It's just to connect with God, it's to be in His presence, to look like Him, to ask Him for stuff, to cry out to Him. Or, or we're like, I come into the presence of God so that I can look anointed. It is because we need to watch out. It's easy that we think the, re- the religious spirit is just in conservative churches, it's in charismatic churches as well. It disguises it, itself as when you get into the presence of God, you dare to work, you dare to get a preach. You're there to get something. No, we're there for Him. Now we need to set ourselves, we need to set ourselves apart for God's work. That means we need to, guys, we need to be praying in tongues more. If you can pray, you need to be praying in tongues as much as you can. As much as possible. If you can't pray in tongues, you need to just then pray. Pray normally. If think, oh, I think you all can't pray in tongues. Well, you can still pray normally. You can still, you know, God, would you come and do this? We need to be a praying church. No. Um, I've got those quotes. Oh, I did a preach on prayer a while ago. What's that? Those that aren't praying are playing. Isn't it? We need to be praying. We need to be a praying people. And look, I'm saying this as, as, a, as something I'm constantly also wrestling through. You know when I, I went to uh, on an Ireland outreach a while ago. Oh Amen. Oh Amen. They went with me. And I remember that for those three weeks, we were like, we were in the spirit, man. We were praying. I remember we were saying the one the last week, guys, every, any, every morning you're going to wake up and pray in tongues for 10 minutes. And we did it. And it was fruitful, eh? You ought was fruitful. And we and we, we were going, we were being in the spirit and we were praying and being aware of God. I remember coming back. And I asked my wife. She, she had a, a, to study or do something the evening. Now I'm sitting, like, cool. Like, well, she's going to study, I put on the Xbox, because, you know, she's going to relax. I remember sitting on the couch taking up the controller, and just sitting there like, this feels wrong. Like, this feels wrong. And I remember just going, I don't know if it's God convicting me or not, but I put down the, the controller, and I'm like, I can't play a game. I, I just, I, I couldn't. It felt as if the Lord said, you're going to waste everything that I've done in you in this past three weeks. It felt like the Lord saying, you're going to take yourself out of the spirit in that. And this, this is a testimony for me. I'm like, oh, okay, Lord. And we, I sold my Xbox. I was like, ugh. <laughs> and it's been so fruitful. Whenever I wanted to play Xbox or something, I'd rather put on a preach or I'd pray. And this is, I'm still, look, the author, I still watch movies and series. I'm not saying it wrong. But it's like, I challenge myself, okay, am I now just wanting to switch off or am I pressing into God? In this week, I was sitting there like, okay, let me look at a series to watch. And I felt the Lord saying, can't you be praying now? Like, oh, Lord, okay. But, and I went, I put on a worship pad, start pacing, yes, Lord, come, and start praying, start praying. It's because we think too much of ourselves. It's because we, we we're, it's essentially because we're prideful that we're not praying. It's, it's because we're prideful that we don't want to be holy. We don't want to let things go. We're all these idols so close to our hearts. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 28, 29. God chose the lowly things of this world, and the despised things, and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. If you want to be used by God, you need to be lowly. We be like, okay, Lord, I'm not going to think better, more of myself. I felt, felt the Lord saying this last night. Holiness comes after lowliness. If we want, if we want to be set apart for God's use. If we want to be used by God, we've got we to gotta go low. Hey, Lord, okay, not my will, your will. Not my series, or your series. <laughs> not my music, Lord, your music. But I'll spend time with you. This should be sounding like death to some of us. Because that thing needs to die. Just to, I'm going to skip over a couple of these things. Needs to be said, this is not a call for us to go and live on an island. This is not a call for us to go and just be separate over there. In fact, Jesus said, no, I want you to stay here. John 17:14 says, I have given them your word. He's praying to the Father. I've given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. As you have sent me into the world, I now send them into the world. We're in this world, but we're not out of it. Now that scripture I read in Peter, it says, live out your time as foreigners here. You're a foreigner. If you are born again this morning, you are a foreigner in this world. This world is not your home. We're passing through. That means I will not entangle myself of the world. I will not entangle myself of the world system. I'm just, I'm passing through. God God says, okay, Lord, leave them here for other people's sake. You know, what, you know what's the one thing we'll never do in heaven? Is evangelize. Think of it. I don't know if you're going to evangelize in heaven. But... When Jesus comes back, that time is finished. Reaching others. So we're in this world. Don't get don't get weird about it. We're still in this world, but we're not of it. And all this that I'm saying, we need to always remember this is by grace. It's God that does it. God comes and He cleans, he cleans us. God is the one that needs to touch us. He's the one that pays the price. We can't pay it. But after He has paid the price, after we have received forgiveness, He says, okay, now walk in holiness. Look different. Called you for a plan and a purpose. I want to land of this. There's a Ezekiel scripture in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 47. Just before I read it. Ezekiel sees this vision of a temple. And from the temple, there's this water that flows. And that's where we eventually get the story of the river that flows. And, and it was knee deep and then waist deep. And then it was too deep to stand. You know that, that old picture? But I want to say that temple. Is the New Testament Church, it, because the, the Scripture says, "You are God's temple." And Jesus would say, Spr- the "Springs of living water would come from within you." Now, you, if you get a bunch of sp- little springs together, what do you get? There's a river. It's interesting if you go and look. Have you seen that that, that video of where, where does the uh, the river the Nile River start from? They go there and there's like it's a little bit of water coming out of a rock. Thinking like the really Nile River as it goes, more water comes in, more water comes in, more, and that's us. As streams of living water flows from without us, everyone brings his own little stream, and we start to bring this, this river. And then the river goes knee-deep, waist-deep, and into the level where we can't stand anymore. And yes, it's the presence of God and all that. We need to bring it together. Because later on in, in Ezekiel 47, he says this, Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Now, look, this is the river that's flowing from the temple. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes into um, down into the Jordan Valley. How does it say that means Jordan Valley, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh, fresh. So Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be a large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shores. From En Gedi to En Eglame, there will be a place for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the rivers. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for the food, and their leaves serve for healing. This is a picture of the New Testament church, that living water flows. And have we ever stopped to ask ourselves, what are we throwing in the water? Are we polluting the water that God wants to let flow through us? Always saying, Lord, I want to be so in the spirit that it's only you that flow. That it's the Holy Spirit that flows. And as we get together, as, as we all focus on being holy and saying, Lord, we will sanctify ourselves. We will get before you. We will stand before you and say, Lord, would you come and sanctify me? It's, it's like a, it's me, but it's him, but it's him, but it's me. I don't know which one. Just make sure you do your part. And as we, everyone does that, we join together and this living water flows. So that everything that it touches lives. Man, if we want people to enter into the, the kingdom, if we want our friends, our family to be saved, if we want there to be a change in His world, be holy. Let the living water flow. Now, <coughs> I'm landing Couple, a couple of days ago, we went to watch that. Uh, who has watched the movie *Sound of Freedom*? Huh? It's like quite hectic. Eh? Oh, I don't know if you should watch it. It's it's intense. It's about it's uh, it's about child slavery and, and sex trafficking. Right? It's a uh, um, it's made by Christians and stuff. So, but I remember watching it, and they the, um, look. If you've got kids, I wouldn't advise it. You'll get a bit like squeamish. But I remember watching it and then just looking at these guys that do the sex trafficking. And I remember saying to Lord. Lord Like, I hope you take them out. I remember feeling like, like, oh, this is wrong. And the Lord came to me and said, Paul, without Jesus, you're worse than them. I was like, oh, Lord. I remember just my heart crying. Lord, save them. Don't take them out. Save them. Like, not just, yes, save the kids, but save the guys that are doing these things. Because they need a Savior. And all of us, we need a Savior. I don't care how good you think you are. Without Jesus, you are just as bad. Without Jesus, you're not better than a murderer. Without Jesus, you're just as bad as a sex trafficker. That is the reality of the gospel. Is that without him, we're nothing. Without him, we're going to hell. If you've never said, Lord, I choose to believe in you, I give my life to you, I receive your forgiveness, it's no longer I who live, it's you, I baptize myself, I, the all Paul dies and I follow you, you've never done that. Lord's saying, you need to. You need a Savior. I don't care if you got born in a Christian home. I don't care where you got born. That doesn't make you a Christian. You're giving your life to Jesus saying, Lord, I yield. And then he says, okay, I forgive you.